0: Welcome to the Leadership Looks Like podcast. I'm your host, Cree Edom. Sponsored by Leadership Excursion Company and recorded from The Coop, located in Summerlin, Las Vegas. Join us as we explore personal stories of leaders who are making incredible impacts in their businesses, lives, and communities. Get ready to be inspired, see things from a new perspective, and learn new tools to help overcome challenges. This is what leadership looks like. Rachel Wenman joins us today from Urban Seed, Inc. When she speaks about changing the way the world grows and distributes food, she isn't kidding. Listen as Rachel covers how she manages change, stays motivated through activation, and the tools she uses every day to stay organized. Enjoy. Rachel Wenman, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you came in today. I am really excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You're making me giggle because you walk in the room. I mean, I'm looking at you now and your, your smile is huge as always. And so much energy is always great. Great to have you around. So Yeah, I don't know. I'm
1: really excited about this podcast and we've known each other a long time. So I think I'm excited to be a guest here. So yes. that's why I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Yay!
0: Um, yeah, so you are a native Las Vegas you and that used to be a rare thing it's, it's yeah more, more common yeah
1: I am uh, born and raised here um a very very proud if anyone's ever met me mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah uh native to Las Vegas and I've actually stayed here throughout my you know whole whole time here so I've, I've never left never went away for college so I've just been in it The whole time, yeah. Tried and
0: true. Yes, tried and true local here. Yeah. You spent a number of years working in uh, the nightlife industry here.
1: Yes, yeah. I uh, spent, let's see, mm, probably like seven or so years, um, excuse me, uh, marketing uh, several nightlife venues from nightclubs to big pools to restaurants. Um, But I was uh, one of uh, many team members helping run a lot of initiatives at the Palms Hotel and Casino.
0: Yeah. You're an entrepreneur at heart. Yes. (laughs) And so, you know, I say, oh, well, you used to work in nightlife. Like that was the only thing you had going (laughs) on. Um, But you've had many things going on in, in your career. What else have you dabbled in?
1: Man, I guess we'd have to start at like the age of six. <laughs> right. um, I and think that's when I wrote my first business plan. But um, no, no. Um, I uh, Let's see. I've tried. You've known me a while. So you knew me pre nightlife. So at that time, I was trying out real estate. So I think I started uh, the day I turned 18. Um, at first, I was going to go to Le Cordon Bleu and go to chef school. And the last day, I had to make my decision. Um, I, uh, I don't know what I was influenced at at the time, but, uh, got into real estate at 18, tried to uh, make my mark there. Um, it was, it's kind of funny thinking of those times. I remember telling the whole city I was 24 so I can get into networking mixers and, you know, I knew no one would trust an 18 year old to do a good job and yeah. And then, uh, after real estate, um, got into events and, uh, started working with 944 Magazine and Racket Magazine um, helping coordinate and uh, market all different types of venues here in Vegas and uh, soon after that went to the Palms and uh, really made my mark there um, and then uh, yeah I guess uh, worked in several startups kind of after that kind of got the itch uh, to kind of take a leap uh, worked for uh, uh, a local app called it's on me um, really helped, uh, um helped me see what a uh, startup life is really like and what it's like to start a business with just a couple people. Um, once I got a dose of that, I uh, started a consulting company with uh, two really great friends from childhood and two people I really respected in the business world. Uh, Lindsay Beck and Jerry Krulowitz, who are still uh, my business partners today. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, been kind of entrepreneurial ever since
0: uh, then launching into a project called Urban Seed. Yeah. I can't wait to hear about Urban Seed. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an incredible story. But, you know, just listening to you now, and you, you've had so many different careers. You really have. you. Mm-hmm. Life and then, um, you went into marketing and, and then you're in the technology industry and you're building an app and you're, you know, it's all kind of Vegas nightlife related, but how, how did you make those switches? Hmm.
1: Well, you know, I think I'm someone that's always reinventing myself. Um, always wanting to push a little bit further. Um, I've always been someone that if I feel too comfortable, I have to challenge myself. And, uh, but you know what I you know what I think you know the 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 common denominator with all of it was people and impact and business and connecting and and ideas really you know um, you know nightlife was uh, an area of marketing where we got to think of a hundred different ways a day that we can get people to the same place <laughs> yeah you know um, and so uh, starting businesses is very same you know and it kind of hits those same things so enough confidence to make the switch, to make the jump, you know, and it usually came at a time that I was wanting and seeking more of a challenge. And I think, you know, kind of jumping into new industries has always kind of uh, provoked fears or provoked uh, uh, uncomfortable, um, you know, insecurities and things of that nature. Um, and so with anything that I've jumped into, I, I started just diving into it. You know, I really became it, uh, read about it, um, would do as much research as I can on that industry. So, um, yeah, so I would make the transition, you know, a little bit uh, easier or, uh, or it's made it really fun.
0: <laughs> so you, you're just 120 percent in whatever it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think that's why I'm usually smiling. You know, um, I'm not staying in things that I'm not happy with. Um, I've always been very passion driven. And, uh, you know, uh, I go into things with my heart and my soul. So uh, if I'm in it, then that means I really love it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. How do you know when it's time to to switch to something new. So you are so passionate about something and it, it excites you. Is there ever a time when that goes away, or or what is it that makes you think you need to do something different? You know, I think uh
1: you know how I've always kind of thought about it is the universe kind of whispers at you for a little bit and then you whatever you believe in, or the voice inside, you know, and then it gets a little bit louder. And then it gets a little bit louder, and then things start being more in your face. Um, and I've always, uh, not always, you know, over the past 10 years or so, I've tried to develop my sense of awareness with myself and being in tune with myself and listening. And after enough uh, chain of events, you know, when there's, a, when there's a consistent mood, you know, I can usually feel it, you know, that it's time for me to go or it's time for me to really grow, not go. Um, and that's really what it is, is craving growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I usually am very loyal, you know, to the projects that I do take on. But, uh, you know, I've always been, yeah, very loyal to what's doing the best for the company and me, which is me being my best self. Um, and so, yeah, you know, just kind of. Paying attention to when it's time.
0: Yeah, and when it's time to make the leap, it's mm-hmm. it's so scary. It's a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you break through those barriers? Huh? How do I break through challenges
1: and fear? Really? Yeah. That's um, what it is. You know, uh, I think growing up in athletics has helped a lot with fear, um, which is like you know really just learning how to kind of get a little more comfortable with the uncomfortable. Um, I think uh, when I'm scared, I like to kind of brain dump a little bit, kind of write it out, make a play, like a little playbook. I like to um, kind of... uh, put the the situation kind of right in front of me and think of the worst case scenario. And usually the worst case scenario is never really that bad. And I try to just kind of talk myself down from there or, you know, uh, or, you know, when building confidence, you know, I like to remember I've been here before. Um, with most things I've learned this year, is that, Um, We're always trying to sometimes look outside of ourselves, or I'm usually trying to look outside myself. Like I need to learn more to be here. Um, When really, you know, what's been helpful for me this year is remembering – at 16, I won a state championship like undefeated. So what's the difference at 16 doing that and being completely terrified um, and uh, running a big business and, and going for something that's impossible then. And so it was kind of helpful for me to remember that I actually don't need to be anything different. I actually have everything I need. Um, and so sometimes it's kind of, And, you know, affirmations or, you know, remembering that you've been there before and Mm -hmm. that you can do it again. Um, So it's kind of different kind of on the day and what I'm kind of needing
0: to hear. Yeah. And we're talking about this in terms of of breaking through. Mm -hmm. So uh, overcoming challenges. What about failure? So if you are working on a project or an initiative and, you know, as you mentioned before, you just you feel it. It's not working. It's not going right. Uh, How uh, are you afraid of failure? Um.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'm afraid of failure. No, actually, it's not failure I'm afraid of. I think I'm afraid of uh, not being a good teammate, not showing up. Uh, You know, I'm more afraid of, you know, not ending up on my part of the bargain, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, with my team or with my organization. Um, But failure, no, I don't think I'm afraid of failure. Um, I think I saw... Um, that worst case scenario growing up, I saw someone lose something very large and I saw them be okay. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't think it's the failure that scares me, but more so than, you know, me not performing.
0: Yeah, okay. So just being being there for the team. So if, if let's say a, the business goes under, mm-hmm. if you feel like you gave it all, yep, then- That's okay. You know, then it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's a big one to overcome. So now you are working- uh, for a company called Urban Seed. Yes. And failure is uh, not an option. No, failure. <laughs> you're absolutely. <laughs> failure is not kidding. an option. <laughs> and I would really love it for you to to step us through those beginning stages because this is revolutionary for not only Las Vegas but the way that you're growing, producing, delivering food, and um, there's so much science and marketing and um, a whole bunch of other things. And shoot, I. Don't, I want to hear about it.
1: (laughs) Okay, man. Okay, how do I summarize Urban Seed? Because I'll try to break it down for those that maybe haven't
0: heard of it. Yeah, yeah. what is Urban Seed?
1: So Urban Seed is a technology company that was homegrown here in Las Vegas, Nevada, where we're broadcasting from. Um, And we are a technology company focused on tackling... Humanity's largest problems, and uh, that sounds kind of funny when you say it like that, but um, for instance, uh, the food system um, is a really large problem, um, not just for the world, but also for our community in Las Vegas. Um, so, our team of engineers and scientists and farmers and and uh, marketers and branders um, decided a couple years ago. Um, Uh, To start a company called Urban Seed, Um, we have a a unique way to grow food that allows us to grow food in any market like Las Vegas. And what that does is uh, allow any community in the world access to fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, Las Vegas is a huge, huge food market, um, a $2 billion food market, and it's 99% imported. We feed over 40 million people a year in this city, and if our freeways were to shut down, we'd have three days of food. So it just kind of puts it in perspective of the importance of having local food, and um, our technologies allow us to grow food here in Las Vegas, and, uh, and a lot of it. Yeah,
0: and and you know Las Vegas is not known <clears throat> for to have farmland or farms or anything like that. Yes. And this this is so new here. In fact, um it's so new that you've had to write new legislation and really work together with our uh, local lo- local leaders in our community to build your uh, greenhouses and really get off the ground. Yeah, you know, one of the um
1: Aspects of Urban Seed that energizes me every day is that I get to work with the Las Vegas community, and that food. What I've seen over the past two years is a is a root system to humanity. You know, it's it's a connector, it's a binder, um, it's a joy tool. Um, and what um, our technology and our vision has allowed us to do is, is do exactly what you've said. Um, Over the past two years, we've worked with uh, all the universities, Green Our Planet, uh, Garden Farms, uh, uh, state senators like Yvonne Kinsella, um, Justin Jones, um, Andre Agassi, Steffi Graf. Um, It's really allowed us to work with all different types of people in the community, um, hear uh, uh, their issues, and try to solve them. And Uh, And more than anything, what I'm seeing is uh, a joint and community enthusiasm uh, that people call like the urban seed energy. And and it really is that, you know, people are excited to connect. And um, uh, this being a very homegrown uh, system and technology, it's really going to put Vegas on the map for something really neat um, for figuring out um, how to grow food for large markets Um, and grow food in a very sustainable way, um, using 98% less water um, and maximizing um, the yield per square foot. So we grow a very large amount of food with very little resources and very little space and land. Um, So Nevada is a really perfect place. And uh, it's, uh, you know, really welcoming urban agriculture with open arms. And it's Really, Nevada, I feel, is going to lead the whole world in urban agriculture technology.
0: Yeah. So exciting!
1: Yeah, really and, and exciting.
0: Yeah, and you're also working directly with chefs. So, you know, if you're a, um, a chef in Las Vegas, you don't get to walk out to the farm and look at your produce and feel it. You know, as you mentioned, it's it's all being shipped in. Yeah, you get to
1: completely connect with your food, with your grower, with the person that grew your food, with the person that's delivering your food. Um, at Urban Seed, we are a fully integrated company, meaning from seed all the way to the plate in the restaurant, we handle everything from growing, packaging, and distribution. Yeah. Um, and all of our systems are proprietary to us. So it really allows us to lead the world in food safety, in um, sustainable farming. Um, and for our local chef community... A way to go out, touch the food, uh, be with it as a seedling, uh, see it growing as a seedling. Maybe they want it as a baby plant. Maybe they want it as a more mature plant. Um, a plant tastes different at every stage of its maturity. Um, so, at what stage is it the best? And so, we get to give the chefs that opportunity to find out.
0: Yeah, and farm to table is not an, a foreign term. Um, no, you know, I mean, I think people know what that what what that means. It is foreign to our, you know, our area. But let's take this a step further. You, your business, you set yourself apart because of the technology that you've touched on a little bit about using less water and more space. Um, talk a little bit more about that technology specifically, because that's really the differentiator. Um, well, two parts to that, you know, I think farm to
1: table, it's good to educate that right now we call local food 500 miles away in the United States. So we've really overused the term farm to table. Um, The United States actually has a massive fruit and vegetable shortage. We import hundreds of billions of dollars a year into the US. Um, But um, what uh, urban agriculture allows um, uh, us to do as a planet um, is really use our land a lot more wise. So right now we're approaching 9 billion people on the planet in the next 30 years. And so uh, 70% of them live in large cities, big metropolitan communities, where there's not a lot of land left, not a lot of space left. And as we know, with the climate um, doing its thing, uh, we can't keep taking water. So, for instance, in traditional farming, a head of lettuce takes around 13 to 15 gallons of water to produce With our style of farming, we only use 22 ounces of water through that whole plant life process. So we significantly um, cut the water usage. And then at Urban Seed, we're unique in that we uh, specialize in comprehensive closed loop systems, which means all the water gets recirculated back into the system and replenished and recycled through. So it allows us to not keep taking from the land um, that we that we grow on, um, but just keep reusing the resources that we have. Um, What it also allows us to do uh, in urban ag is grow vertically. And that's a very important part of of uh, the future of farming um, is using less land. Um, so, the easiest comparison there is let's say uh, we take 24 square feet. Um, in uh, horizontal uh, ways of growing, you get about 50 lettuce heads in that 24 square feet. Um, with our vertical system, in that same 24, you get 550 lettuce heads in that 24 square feet. So it really allows us to maximize um, our yield per square foot um, and, um, uh, and do that with not using uh, a ton of water. So that's why Nevada is a perfect example and place to, uh, you know, launch a concept like this.
0: Yeah. How do you get away with using less water? So um,
1: as I mentioned, all of the systems are uh, closed loop. So okay. that means they're enclosed. Um, and that the water that we take from our reservoir is just pumped back through, mm-hmm. recycled, replenished, gets its or, uh, uh, gets put back through the system. And so we're not continuously pumping water into the greenhouses.
0: Gotcha. All right. And then you talk about packaging and delivery too. Mm-hmm. How is that different? So
1: right now with our current food system, it doesn't allow us uh, the capabilities to implement reusable packaging. Um, Why reusable packaging? (laughs) So if you look at um, the Las Vegas casinos, um, very large consumers, um, as I mentioned, over 40 million people a year come through that street. Um, So with our current food system, with food traveling on average of 1,500 miles, um, there's a lot of cardboard and a lot of packaging that comes with that. Um, From what we've seen in just one strip property, we saw 50 tons of cardboard trash before noon. Um, That... These large casinos, you know, they have big sustainability initiatives. They're trying to be good to the planet. But when you have that much cardboard, it makes it very hard and very expensive. Mm -hmm. But now when you bring distribution three miles away, which is where our first farm is located, just right off the Las Vegas Strip, um, now we can implement reusable packaging. So we can uh, really eliminate packaging.
0: Wow. Okay, so you're three miles from the Strip. We are
1: three miles from the Las Vegas Strip. Can
0: someone place an order at noon and have it? you know, have it delivered fairly quickly. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: you know, all of our, you know, we work, uh, our for-profit side of our business. We have a nonprofit that is very focused on ending food deserts and making sure that all humanity has fresh food. Um, the for-profit side of our business is focused on the chef community. Um, they see the food system firsthand. Um, they have to, you know, deal with, um, crop loss coming through damaged product because it travels so far. Um, food that has been trucked, you know, 1,500 miles, uh, 70 cents almost to every dollar has to do with transportation of food. Um, so we are at Urban Seed are not just reinventing and revolutionizing the way we grow food, also the way that we provide it. Um, with our current food system, it doesn't allow us the opportunity to implement reusable packaging because the our food on average travels around 1,500 miles. Um, So us now bringing food so close to the plate um, right now in Las Vegas, three miles from the Las Vegas Strip. It allows us now the opportunity to implement reusable packaging. So when we go drop off our produce, we can pick it right back up, re-sanitize it, reuse it, get it right back out. Um, Allowing us the opportunity to um, not just eliminate packaging, but also retain the freshness of the product, um, ensure food safety. Food safety is going to be huge in the future. um, And we're really trying to lead in that. Um, and so, uh, taking that packaging, uh, in house allows us that opportunity. And, uh, now being three miles from the Las Vegas strip there, uh, we're trying to, uh, keep distribution in house, you know, now that we are so close by, um, it really allows us the opportunity to really offer that seed to plate transparency and traceability. So you're using reusable packaging. What are the hotels doing now? So our reusable packaging will be coming out late 2018. So that is something in the pipeline. Um, But right now they receive uh, uh, their packaging through cardboard, plastic, you know, uh, all different means, uh, but just not in a way that they are able to uh, reuse it or return it due to
0: just the miles that the food has to travel. Gotcha. So you could have damaged food because of the amount of miles it has to travel, as you say. And then um, also, you know, what do you do with all that that cardboard in waste once the food's delivered? Well, you know, I think we have
1: amazing hotels here in Las Vegas um, that really lead, uh, you know, uh, the country in sustainability. So I know um, a lot of our hotel partners in this city do a lot to make sure that they recycle all of that cardboard. Um, But with the solutions that we're able to offer them, uh, it just kind of uh, gives them, uh, you know, a partner in that sustainability initiative. You know, maybe they can minimize um, how much cardboard comes through there, and um, yeah, be able to reuse a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Now you have a profitable side of Urban Seed. And you yes. also have a nonprofit side. Yes. And your goal is really to impact how food is grown in the world. Yes. Um, we have uh, we have a very confident team of
1: superheroes <laughs> that is on that we are on a huge mission to save the planet, um, um, save humanity. You know. Um, So on the for profit side, we're making food fun again, and uh, the chefs are going to get connected and and you're going to see that on your plates. And on the on the foundation side, we we understand that we now have a unique capability um, and a new way uh, to look at hunger and to we have a real shot at creating now. Um, What we call in the organization, you know, sustainable food driven ecosystems, where we now have greenhouses at schools that produce the food for the students and the students can go to magnet programs and get into food engineering or cooking or, or or any of it. But that that same greenhouse can also supply a farmer's market for the local community and, and change the food access that we have today, Um, really making uh, hunger and food deserts a thing of the past. And uh, the foundation uh, is doing fantastic work. Um, We have an executive director, Anne-Marie Feiler, um, who I, I think she could single-handedly solve hunger if she <laughs> wanted to um, and is kind of doing that. Yeah. But um, uh, they, they're, they're focused right now on putting a lot of uh, uh, education in the schools. You know, we just built uh, 18 garden beds at Somerset Academy in North Las Vegas, uh, giving that school a three-year curriculum and a farmer's market program and, and now their first connection with food, and a lot of those kids' first connection with food.
0: Yeah, and also let's face it—if you can grow food in Las Vegas, you can and grow it anywhere. anywhere. Yeah, that's exactly
1: uh, what we wanted the world uh, to think, um, and we knew that uh, the whole world flies into Vegas and knows that it doesn't grow its own food, and everyone knows how much consumption goes on here, uh, and so uh, yeah, we want to our one of our sub brands is Vegas Saves the World mm-hmm. um, because. Uh, yeah, we feel uh, we're probably the last city on earth that anyone thought would be saving it. Um, but, uh, you know, we plan to do that through food and really activate the localvore in each city. You know, we also have San Diego saves the world. Houston saves the world. Uh, L.A. saves the world. Uh, because food is, is a common unity um, to humanity. And so um, we plan on doing this in every city that we plant our seeds in.
0: Yeah, I love it. And that mission statement is gigantic. Yeah, Uh or
1: should I state it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and tell me about your team at Urban Seed. So you have this huge mission statement. Mm-hmm. You, you really are working hard, and you, you believe that you're going to do this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about your team. What, what is so special about this group of people? Well, I
1: think uh, that's why I believe we're going to do this. <clears throat> um, my team at Urban Seed, oh, my goodness, uh, you can't say enough about uh, of this group of individuals. Um, you know, it started with a founding aid and has grown up to almost 25 now. Um, and I feel that we've attracted um, like-minded, bold uh, solutionists from all over the world um, that have had a dream of impacting it greatly and in really large ways. And uh, we've all... Uh, come from all different strengths. Um, We have engineering backgrounds. um, um, We have financing and business backgrounds. We have marketing and food backgrounds. And we've really um, uh, uh, worked together over the past two years, um, all with this mission in mind and with the confidence in mind that we can do it and the belief and the leadership um, that keeps us believing. So you know, um, yeah, we call it our urban seed energy, and I think it is powered by these these superheroes that I get to work with every day. And that's really what motivates you, do you think? Um, with this project? Yeah. yeah, well, no, actually, yeah, in life, you know, people motivate me, you know. Um, uh, magic motivates me and urban seed is a healthy combination of both of those. You know, um, I always as a kid, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to be a magician. I always loved watching in someone's eyes. Um, when they didn't believe something, and then all of a sudden you made them believe, <laughs> and um, and I always and I also grew up with winning teams, and 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 working together with people and and so Urban Seed uh, fills all of that, and then on top of it all of the superhero impact I've always wanted to make. So yeah, you know I think it really it's the people, you know it's it's the people and the energy. You know we have really great values. Um, that we founded the company on, which is, you know, accountability, fun, balance, um, really good tools, you know, just for any human in life. And we,
0: we've we really created an environment that makes people feel good. Yeah. How do you juggle, because you your team is, I mean, you're working nonstop. Mm-hmm. This is a huge, huge project, a huge undertaking. You know, how do you mix um, working a lot and getting, getting, these initiatives off the ground and mix that with fun and and keeping your team positive? (laughs) You know what? The first
1: thing I think of when you say that is uh, uh, my two partners, Tom and Cynthia, um, their motto was work, learn, have fun, you know, and they've been in business uh, and manage hundreds of partnerships. And uh, even my previous company, ours was work, play, you know, and having a balance. And, you know, I think we work really hard, but we have a lot of fun while we're doing it. Uh, it actually reminds me of um, the team that I did win a state championship with, you know, before every game, we listen to music, and we'll laugh and get in the zone and, you know, uh, get our hearts broken together, you know, blood, sweat and tears together. And that's, that's what this team does. You know, we, we're in it, we all work hard, we're, we're all uh, going farm to desk every single day. And, um, but we're all
0: motivated uh, by really changing the way that the world's fed. Yeah. Uh, with any business, there are ups and downs. Yeah. So I'm, I'm <laughs> sure you have lots of ups and you have those downs. What do you do as a group when, you know, you've had a bad day or things just didn't go as planned? You know,
1: I think we, we, we feel our feelings, then we laugh it off and we create a solution, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. As our CEO would say, uh, he tried stress once and it didn't work for him. So um, we uh, we try not to stress out. You know, we're really building a team of solutionists. We we like to make challenges and problems fun. Um, and what's a way that we can reinvent it and figure out a better way to do it? And you know, I think the thing is we don't dwell. You know, we 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 feel and act. Um, you know, we had a we had a year longer. Uh, timeline uh you know developing our property this year um what we did with that time was educate uh give presentations stay active stay motivated and then now we have three properties you know that we didn't expect and and so i think there's something uh to that is you know we just we focus on the solutions
0: yeah and you uh put up your first greenhouse not too long ago
1: yes so we um um, we are in the process of putting up our first double greenhouse off of wind road um, that 's uh, the one three miles from the las vegas strip mm-hmm. and uh, for the the past month or two we 've been uh, working from our research and development ranch, um, getting ready for uh, wind road, testing out our systems and testing out new varieties and Uh, working with our grow team and uh, having the chefs out and trying some food.
0: Yeah. I can't wait to see where things go with Urban Seed. It's (laughs) so, so exciting.
1: Yeah. We're, we're, we're excited. We're ready. We're right there.
0: Yeah. Now, Rachel Wenman, personally, (laughs) (laughs) um, all of these different career changes, we've already touched on this a little bit. Um, You are someone that has a lot of energy and you are go, go, go. What do you do to take care of yourself? Um, I'd like to move my body,
1: you know, I think, uh, you know, one, you know, uh, body movement, uh, as many times a week is important for me, kind of, it relaxes my mind releases energy in a great way. Um, but I, I've had a, you know, a routine, you know, I've always given myself or in at least the past 10 years, at least, I've given myself my mornings, you know, whether that's sometimes 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And uh, that seems to recharge me enough to kind of, you know, really, you know, take on the day, you know, I think about my day, I think about what's ahead of me. And um, then I kind of, you know, I activate and get in the zone. And, and, uh, um, you know, it, it allows me to, uh, yeah, kind of activation is a big part of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, And you do that every day. Yep. Yeah, and I activation. do that.
1: Yeah, I do that every day. What
0: is your routine? Do you have a specific? Yeah, like, yeah, I definitely do. I,
1: I, uh, I get up early, you know, I, I, I like early mornings, I kind of, they feel quieter for me. And uh, so I get up kind of before the sun and uh, go out on the patio, you know, have some coffee, have some thoughts. Sometimes if I wake up with a ton on my mind, which is often, you know, I'll kind of dump it all out on on a piece of paper real quick. So uh, it can just kind of get out. Um, And then, uh, you know, I just kind of sit there and sometimes I'll write about goals. Sometimes I'll read, you know, just kind of me time. And, uh, Soon after that, I, I work out. So I always, you know, on my on my most motivated days, right after that, I like to go move my body. It could be a run, it could be a class, um, some type of physical activation, and uh, and my my most important secret sauce is my music playlist. You know, I I uh, uh, I activate. You know, before going to work every day. You know, I have a different playlist that I've. I've put together over the years that uh, are are all different songs, any song that's made me feel something. So, you know, to stay energetic every day, you have to kind of activate memories. And so I have a playlist that just activates me, makes me happy, gets me in a good mood. And uh, it it never fails. You know, it it kind of tricks my brain, uh, almost like Groundhog Day in some weird way. But um, It's uh, all different songs they play. You know, they're all different things from my past or made me think of, you know, achievement it could be from a movie. But anything that's ever made me feel something has probably been on that playlist. And I'm a big advocate of, you know, kind of feeling uh, will drive motivation and will drive activation. Um, if we feel it, then we'll probably go act on it. So helps me out with that.
0: So you have this playlist. Do you play it in the car on the way to work or is yep. it at home or yeah,
1: <laughs> It's any time I need to reset, really. Okay. You know, um, I think we reset naturally as humans every morning or each day that we get up. Um, but sometimes I need to reset in between meetings. Sometimes I need to reset after, you know, um, a bunch of presentations and then I need to go talk to someone and be in a really good mood, I'll throw on that playlist at any time and it will, you know, kind of reset my brain and, uh, get me in the zone.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that you also do a daily workout. What what does that look like? Um, you know, it changes, you know, I, i like to, you know, I
1: like to have fun. You know, I grew up, uh, playing sports very early. So I think that's why body movement is familiar for me, um, but, uh, I like to play tennis with my friend Elon a couple of days a week. I like to, uh, go to some group classes with some friends and, and feel that energy and, and, activate there. Um, you know, it, it, as long as I'm moving and there's some music and some, and some energy, you know, it
0: will, it will do the job. So gotcha. now, wh- when it comes to your work day, what's a tool that you use every day?
1: My calendar. Yeah, um, I live by my calendar, and not in a way of um, where it might come off as pressure. Um, actually, in a way that creates the opposite. That actually kind of creates flow. Um, so I, I, I live by my calendar. I like to make sure that if I've made commitments to myself to other people, whether that's a getting back on an email or a project. That I have a realistic view of my time. Um, so I kind of put everything in there, even if it's me time, just so I have a realistic view
0: um, of what I'm accountable to, whether that's to myself or other people. So you'll, even if you have committed to time for yourself, you'll put that on your calendar?
1: Um, yeah, or, or not always with what it is, mm-hmm. but. Um, I know that no matter what, you need some time for yourself. So there should be an hour or 30 minutes of every day pre-blocked that I move around. It's not the same time every day, but, you know, definitely need some daily time. Yeah, so you you can
0: wake up in the morning and kind of look at your day.
1: Exactly. You know, it almost kind of... It almost like gives me almost like a, a living vision board of what my time and life look like, and I can change it and swap it and delete things at any time. But at least it kind of kind of gets me in gear for the next day or you know the next moment. Sometimes I don't plan it out, you know, till the to the day every morning of or you know the afternoon of. Where I need to swap things out, but yeah, my calendar just gives me a realistic view of where my time is being
0: spent. Okay, what about specific tasks that you've got to complete in a given day?
1: So I you know task organization, it's, I feel like I've tried something different you know each year, but I've really been loving my flow lately. Um, so uh, big projects um, uh, I actually manage and track on a platform called Trello. Mm-hmm. Um, my to-do list now daily I write down and you know uh, it shouldn't be longer than probably 10 things or it's probably not happening and yeah. I try to make sure that that sheet gets cleared. Um, if it's something that's written down probably needs to happen the day of. And then I have some, you know, some email organization that allows me to, you know, uh, understand what emails actually need to be responded to today and what ones need to be responded to this week pretty easily.
0: Do you have a notebook or something that you write your your tasks down in?
1: Yeah, I I think I'm constantly, yeah, just plain notebook. You know, I like to make, you know, it's funny, I I, I create my own little task language. So I have my little boxes and then I can check in them or I can write notes in the box and then I have the task and, and things like that. But
0: Yeah. Yeah Just I on like note paper. I like how you're realistic about that. Your the task list too task list Please. if
1: it's on paper I got to get rid of that paper at the end of the day mm-hmm. and that's where the calendar comes into play you know I can kind of look at that sheet and understand and I'll even write little times next to it oh that's probably gonna, uh, on a day that I really need to that it looks overwhelming I'll kind of look at oh that's going to take me 30 minutes anything that takes me over 15 minutes goes in my calendar
0: okay
1: um, because that means you probably need to block out some time for it or you're going to rush it yeah and sometimes an email takes me 20 minutes to write it if I'm really thinking about it or sometimes it's a hour so if I know it's a big important email that's going out to a lot of people that has a lot of thought and a lot of facts in it um sometimes that takes me an hour to write and I'll put that in my calendar write email one hour you know Mm -hmm. um and so it's really allowed me to stress a lot less and really um uh, perform, you know, with a really high performance, I feel I feel I'm able to accomplish a lot without
0: feeling like I'm
1: accomplishing a lot.
0: Yeah, and it sounds to me like because you limit your task list, you mentioned 10, mm-hmm. you know, and it, you know, anytime you do something longer than that, you're right. It's, it's, it's unrealistic that it would be completed that day. Exactly. Um, you know, I, it seems to me like it'd be easier for you to prioritize things too. So when those little things come up, you can quickly glance at that list and go, "You know what? I I can't do that." Yep. Yeah.
1: And the the calendar really allows uh, a realistic view of prior prioritization, mm-hmm. um, and and also accountability to people. You know, if if I'm saying, "Hey, I'm going to get you this uh, this week," um, I can already look at my calendar today and see. That project's probably going to take me three or four hours, probably about an hour per day if I don't want to just do a big cram sesh. Um, so I need to restructure some things and re-communicate with some people, and I need to rearrange some things. So it's a completely flexible uh, calendar, um, based off life. Yeah. Um, but it, it does allow me to, uh, hit my, hit my deadlines in, in a very stressless way in my eyes.
0: And it's interesting to me how you, you kind of use three, three different ways to manage your time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, although you're using a, a calendar, mm-hmm. which I think everybody's familiar with, it's very visual, mm-hmm. very visual. And then you also have a notebook where yep. you're actually writing things down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of touching on all of those senses where you get to really see the picture and of what you're working on for, the day or the week yes. or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'll use, you know, uh, and if I need to take notes through, you know, I'll take notes throughout a day as tasks come up. And then at the end of the day, kind of look at, okay, do I need to put these things in my calendar? Do I need to put these into a project card on Trello? And kind of, you know, on a good day, uh, a nice healthy, you know, dump of the notes from the day to help, help me
0: re-strategize the week. Mm-hmm.
1: So kind of your end caps, how you start your day and end your day, you know?
0: Yeah. How does your team communicate? Do you communicate mostly through email or are you in the office together? or What does that look like? We're everything. I think we take
1: over all forms of communication. You know, our team is unique and cross-generational. Um, so we talk on the phone. We call each other 50 times a day. We email 50 times a day. Um, actually, no, we've limited email quite a bit. But we use um, most team communication and streamlined communication on projects through platforms like uh, a Trello, which is a project managing platform. Mm-hmm. And so for um, company uh, communication, transparency, traceability, um, we
0: use platforms like that. Okay. So that human being stuff, all of it. Right. And do you do in-person meetings also? Is there a set time in the week that your team meets or is it when you need to? How does that work?
1: Yeah. You know, we have, uh, we have uh, weekly meetings, uh, all company meetings that we kind of talk about all different things as we're a young company that's growing really quickly. Um, We'd like to make sure that communication, if anything, we're over communicating, if anything, Um, and all of our departments as they're growing, they now have weekly meetings, which is very exciting, um, uh, where the company growth is. So yeah, everyone meets regularly. we have some really neat, you know, company culture and ways that we really work with each teammate and and really harvest them and give them the nutrients they need and the attention they need uh, to really create some awesome superhero farmers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and I appreciate you getting super granular with your with your workflow, but I think it's important because you're, you're a startup and you're doing such big things and it you know, in listening to what you're up to, it's it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. so really reining that in and being able to organize and actually get things done. You know, I think Palms taught uh, me a
1: lot about that. It's organized chaos. You know, um, mm-hmm. there is a way to organize chaos. Um, and when you do that, um, everything goes off without a hitch and no one even notices that it's chaotic. You know, I am a, what I always think of when I think of that is GBDC. And It was a party that people would go to, and if you were a goer, you would think it was complete chaos. But running it was so controlled, and it really made for a beautiful experience. So, I think uh, as individuals and as companies, you know, there's ways to, yeah, you know, uh, control all of that and manage it, and that's what makes it fun and allows you to have fun at work and 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 do all of those things.
0: Yeah, and when I think of the the group at Urban Seed, I think of. You know, it's you talk about your CEO, and and that person sounds like a leader, mm-hmm. you know, certainly oh, yes. a source of inspiration. Oh yeah. Um, would you say that that is the the one person that everybody really looks to 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 stay on track and motivated?
1: You know what I think is unique is I think the whole team like ricochets off of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, uh, uh, but Tom really is an example. You know, he he is. Uh, To me, in my eyes, everything that a a team does want to strive to be, you know, Um, he is starting a disruptive technology, uh, crazy industry and and leading a, a, a young team at you know, uh, past 76 years old. And with energy, enthusiasm, you know, he definitely leads by example. And that's, you know, an important aspect of leadership for me. Yeah. And you, you work with a group of leaders. Yes. I mean, <laughs> a whole
0: big group of leaders. Yeah. Yep. How how do you manage that as a, as a group? You know, it, the reason why I ask is because you typically think of one person and then everybody's motivated by this one person, but you're not. Everybody's spread out. You're all responsible for different things. Um, and you all play a certain role. Yeah. You know, I think it's
1: strength based. Uh, Mm -hmm. we have a lot of unique strengths and we have a lot of diverse strengths among the team. So I think it allows us to look up to you one another all the time. You know, uh, this one knows a lot about this and this one knows a lot about this and, Um, I think we're a team that gets really excited by that. And we, you know, we kind of look at all of each other like magic, like, oh, my God, that person just had a great idea and that person just had this. And I think the diversity of strengths um, has allowed for an environment of like that.
0: Yeah. And I I think that that's what a lot of businesses really um, look to be. They, mm-hmm. they want to have a team of leaders mm-hmm. where everybody's pushing the envelope and yeah. and, and really making things happen. Uh, you personally, so what do you do to keep yourself educated? Do you read books? Do you listen to podcasts? Um, uh, a combination of podcasts, you know, uh,
1: articles. I love skimming articles, you know, especially... Uh, when uh, you're in an industry like urban farming where it's technology based and companies popping up all the time, um, I like platforms like Flip, uh, Flipboard, you know, that give you like quick focused articles on the topics you're looking for, mm-hmm. um, podcasts, uh, mentorship, you know. Um, I have a vibe tribe of great mentors. Um, I think most of uh, yeah, a lot of my learning is a combination of kind of searching out enough on a topic. But I don't like to get too in, inundated because, you know, that inventor entrepreneurial side, you know, uh, creeps out. But, you know, and but more than anything, I think my mentorships, I've, I think I've always, you know, since I was 18, you know, I've always seeked out mentorships and asking people questions from people that have gone there previous to me. And humbling yourself enough to ask for, you know, mentorship. And that's been probably my biggest, you know, lessons have come from that.
0: Okay. And you, so you have a group of mentors? Um, I think I have, I
1: think I have certain ones that are focused mentors that I have requested to be, but then, you know, I'm constantly asking people to go to coffee. I'm constantly asking questions. You've been one that I've, you know, gone out with and had coffee with and, and I'm always just listening, you know, from people that have been there before. I'm I'm constantly um, observing, you know, those that are already doing it, um, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, watching others kind of, that again, that modeling of the behavior um, gives me some type of... Um, Like hope and confidence, too. Like, if they did it, then I can do it. And I've always thought that way. You know, my mom implanted back in the day, if you can, if I could do it, then you can do it. And so I've looked at everyone on earth. It doesn't matter if you're the president, if you're the fastest runner on the earth. I've always grown up with the mentality, well, if they did it and they're human, then I can um, type of deal. So that's why I think mentors, you know, work well for me.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, you grew up in sports Mm -hmm. and and I know this because I know you <laughs> in basketball, so you had yes. a, a group of people. So you've, you have that uh, at work, it sounds like. you have a, yeah, have like, yeah. got at a work. great team of people at work. And you do that for yourself personally?
1: Yep, got a great you? team of people at home, right. uh, friends, you know, uh, have, yeah. I think I, you know, have uh, surrounded myself with great people.
0: Yeah. Who motivates you? Is there one person? Hmm. You
1: know, I... I don't know if it's, like, a person that motivates me. I think it's that whole magic thing. You know, I think people inspire me. You know, that's what inspires me. And I would say um, most of my influences come from your parents, right? So um, I think they've been my strongest influences. And I think people generally inspire me. And I think magic motivates me.
0: Yeah. If you had advice for anybody who is going to start a groundbreaking business like Urban Seed, Mm -hmm. where you have no one to compare it to, nothing to emulate, really no roadmap. What's your advice for that person? (laughs)
1: Work, learn, and have fun. (laughs) Yep.
0: (laughs) Rachel, thanks so much for coming in today and being on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's such an honor. Very excited to be here.
0: It was a pleasure having Rachel on the show today. Her energy is infectious, and I can't wait to see where the Urban Seed adventure leads her. To stay updated on all things Urban Seed, visit urbanseedinc.com. Thanks as always for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, visit the Leadership Looks Like Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Leadership Looks Like is a podcast dedicated to leaders everywhere. Our mission is to show that leaders come from all different backgrounds, ages, colors, shapes, and sizes. For more information about our project or to become a contributor, visit leadershiplookslike.org. Sign up for Fresh Start Mondays and get access to free leadership tips delivered to your inbox every Monday. To subscribe, visit leadershipexcursion.co forward slash subscribe. And finally, The Coop, Las Vegas' newest co-working location with a focus on community and collaboration. If you're a small business owner looking for office space and amenities and would like to be located in Summerlin, visit thecoopcowork.com. Until next time, continue to inspire and support one another through effective leadership. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. See you again next week.